0: The guilt is I've done something wrong, but shame is who I am is wrong. Who I am is wrong because of what I've done or what's been done to me, and so I must hide that in order to even even show up in the world. I, I can't let people see that. You're listening to the
1: Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we sit down with life strategist, international speaker, and the coach's coach, Valerie Burton. She says it's time to let go of the guilt. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. To all my OG listeners and purpose chasers, thank you so much for coming back week after week. Your ratings, your reviews, the way that you share in social media are such a blessing. And you are why this podcast continues to grow exponentially. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you so much. If you're brand new here, welcome to the family. Here's what you just stepped into. We are a community that believes that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. We believe in the original 12th century definition, which says it's about the condition of well-being. So each and every week, I teach from the six pillars of wealth, the interviews, the guests that I invite. They're all about the six pillars of wealth, which are... The truth behind what it means to build sustainable wealth, not just financial wealth, but in every area of our lives. I want you to get caught up. So go to patricewashington.com forward slash start here and grab the free audio training, which breaks it all down. You'll see a link to it in the show notes. And I also want you to know that this episode is brought to you by my brand new book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, How to Stop Chasing Money and Finally Live Your Life's Purpose. I am so excited about all of the lessons that are in this book that are going to help you build wealth from the inside out. You can find out more at RedefineWealthForYourself.com. So I already touched on last week that this month is dedicated to letting it go. What is it? Whatever you need to let go in order to truly live your life's purpose, and just walk in the freedom that you're called to. And I was so excited to get this woman for you. Do you see how I love y'all? Because you've seen her, I'm sure, like I've seen her in many, many places and spaces. And I just love how she makes things so relatable and easy to digest. Her work is incredible. And... Today, we're talking about letting go of guilt. So let me introduce you to Valerie Burton. Valerie is a life strategist and international speaker. She's CEO of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Institute. Her life-changing message has an intriguing research-based emphasis in the pioneering field of applied positive psychology, the study of what happens when things go right with us. Her company provides coaching, coach training, and resilience training, and has served clients in all 50 states and 20 countries on six continents. Since 1999, Valerie has written 13 books translated into multiple languages, including our topic for today, Let Go of the Guilt. You've seen her on the Today Show, CNN, Dr. Oz, Essence Magazine, And so many other media outlets and organizations have featured Valerie. She was named one of the top 60 motivational speakers in America and one of the top 100 thought leaders in the field of personal development. And she is our guest today. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Valerie Burton. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Valerie. Thank you, Patrice. It is so good to be with you. Oh my gosh. It's so good to be with you. Now, do you remember that we met years ago? Did we meet in Miami? Yes. I think it's somewhere Florida.
0: Yeah. Mm Steve Harvey's event. That's right. We both spoke there. Okay. See, I had this in my head, but I was like, was that Patrice? I don't want to say that was Patrice. (laughs) It's like, who are you talking about? Yep. That was probably five or six years ago.
1: Yes, it, it was just that about five or six years ago. And I mean, we met briefly, it was in passing, but I have to tell you the truth. I was really fangirling when I met you. I kept it in.
0: You did, because I
1: had no idea. (laughs) I, I played it cool. No, but I mean- I would see your books in the airport and I'm, you know, I'm a nerd. So I always am. I was always in the bookstore. Um, That was my inspiration for just getting into writing books was just to sit in the bookstore. And so i seen this pretty brown face on all these book covers. And then there you were like backstage or however we ended up meeting. And yeah, it was backstage. And so, you know, fast forward, I follow you on Instagram and I still just think, your work is amazing and incredible. And then I see this post and I was like, this is my shot. You posted something and I was like, oh my gosh. It's, it was one of those where you just can't keep it to yourself. And so I don't know if you remember, but months ago I DM'd you. And this is the post I want to start with for this topic. You said, that persistent feeling that you've never done enough, that you need to do better, that you need to do more, even if you've never recognized it as such, it's guilt. It's the persistent feeling that you're not getting it right. And therefore you're doing something wrong. Guilt is a debt. It says you owe. So even when you have false guilt, meaning you feel like you've done something wrong, even though you haven't, you will overcompensate. You will punish yourself and you will accept far less than you deserve just to pay the debt. As women, so many of us need to let go of false guilt and take back our joy. Mm -hmm. I, it stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> you know, you're just scrolling, scrolling, mindlessly scrolling. One day, and that stopped me in my tracks because in my community, the women that I coach, you know, I'm I'm pretty much a business coach, right? And we always talk about this idea that one one woman, Money Coleman, said it on the podcast years ago um, that she got from somewhere else and couldn't remember, but it was your business will only grow to the extent that you're willing to heal. And the guilt that you spoke about, you know, when I'm hearing my clients say they can't and they shouldn't and, you know, the imposter syndrome and the overworking yet staying underpaid and all these things, I felt so strongly that we don't always have the words to pin it on guilt, but the way your book, Let Go of Guilt who shines a light on this, I was like, I need this on the podcast because so many of us are, our decisions to do or not do things are being driven by this. And we don't even know. And so take us to the moment (laughs) that you made the connection between, you know, guilt and, and how it plays a part in preventing us from truly living the lives that we desire.
0: Well, you know, at first it was kind of more surface when I felt led to write on this topic. And, and I won't say, well, surface isn't really fair, but it wasn't as deep as what you just described. <laughs> so it was guilt that I felt when I would travel for a speaking engagement and my son would be at home. And regardless of the fact that my son was at home with his dad and his two sisters, older sisters, my bonus daughters, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And when I began looking back on it, because I I would describe that to my husband who just didn't understand. And and I did learn learn in the process of writing that there is a guilt gender gap. Men just don't feel, especially the false guilt as often as women do. And some of it has to do with how we're wired, how we tend to be more empathetic. We are more other focused. So we're always thinking about our impact on everybody else. And so Jeff was like, why are you feeling guilty? Didn't you tell me that your vision when you were 20 and you were in grad school, studying journalism, discovered you wanted to write books, that you wanted to have a business and be an author so that you could have a career (laughs) and still have a family and have control over your schedule? Like, wasn't that the vision? Like he reminded me of my vision and I realized. It took me more than twice the amount of time. Like I was 20 when I had the vision. I was more than 40 when I was fully in the vision. And I'm feeling guilty about being in my own vision. Ooh, I understand. That was that was for me when I was like, I've got to figure this out. But I, I specifically remember taking a walk around my property, because like I've told you earlier, we, we live on a ranch, and I'm just walking and pondering guilt. And I was like, I have this, I have this feeling feeling all the time, this anxiety, like I'm doing something wrong. (laughs) What is this? And I really began to pray about, like, God, what, what is this? And what I realized is, it's what you just described, that we're not getting it right, that we're not doing enough, that we should be doing more. And that's what I wanted to deal with, because that's, that wasn't God speaking to me. That was my own issues. And so I had to get clear, number one, about what is enough <laughs> so that when I hit enough, I could be like, you hit enough, you can relax. <laughs> Valerie,
1: can I tell you my word for 2021 is contentment? Mm. My word is contentment because if you're not careful, you can achieve in amass and have all this stuff and then still feel like there's not enough and you're yes. doing
0: something wrong. Yes. It's like, at what point? is it okay? Are you okay? Because guilt is what we feel when we think we've done something wrong, right? So authentic guilt is I've done actually done something wrong. I need to apologize, atone, try to make up for it. But false guilt isn't that you've done something wrong. It's just that you feel like you've done something wrong. If you don't question it, then you will behave as though you're guilty. And guilt is a message. It's either you've done something wrong or you feel like it, and. Like you mentioned, guilt is a debt. It says you owe. You need to pay up. You need to make up for whatever it is you've done wrong. So if you're telling yourself, I haven't done enough when you actually have, and then you begin blaming yourself and beating yourself up because, well, if you just worked a little bit harder, well, if you just reached out a bit more, if you just, and you fill in the blank of what that is, then even though you're doing right things, even though you're giving your all, you're still walking around feeling guilty. And that's where your joy gets stolen. So we have yeah. to be self-reflective and notice where this is coming from. There's The issue isn't just the guilt. This isn't just about feeling better. The issue is guilt tries to hijack your decisions. And so you're running around overcompensating, trying to pay people back for things you don't need to pay them or compensate them for. And that's where we need to really be paying attention because we can get ourselves into a whole lot of trouble saying yes to things we should say no to, et cetera, (laughs) because we're feeling guilty even though we aren't. And I wanna really be clear
1: for the audience how this looks like, like how this is manifested. And there's this bullet point list that you gave that I thought was so great. It looks like, as you said, overcompensating. It looks like obligating yourself in some way to things that you probably should say no to, but you say yes, excusing otherwise inexcusable behavior or attitudes, quote unquote, making it up to someone for a perceived problem, right? Or accepting unfair treatment as deserved and and acceptable. And you gave such a great illustration at the open of the book, about how this kind of plays out. It was the morning your son asked to have his breakfast at the table. I would love for you to share that story because I think that so many of us can see ourselves in those moments.
0: So Alex, you know, he, I used to eat full breakfast. Like I still do. I can't start my day without my breakfast. So, but my son's not that way. None of our kids are that way. And he um, we had gotten to the point where I would just put Cheerios in a bag and a cup of milk and he could do it in the car because it was just exhausting. <laughs> and deep down, I kind of felt bad about this because that's just not what my mother ever would have done. So on this particular morning, but he was happy with it. I want to make that really clear. He was like, Oh, finally, you know, she's not fussing about me not eating. So this particular morning, um, we were a little bit ahead of time, which means like five minutes. Okay. Not anything major. And it's time to go. And he says, mommy, I want to eat breakfast at the table. Can we eat breakfast at the table? And I like, without even thinking about it, it's all this guilt. Poor kid has to get up so early in the morning. I have to take him to this bus stop. It's only seven in the morning. He's five years old. You know, it's still dark outside. All he wants is to eat Breakfast at the table with me, and I'm about to tell him, No, you're gonna eat some cereal in the car. I mean, these thoughts, all the things, 2.5 seconds, all of these thoughts, right? So he's asking the question. He's sitting there with that little face waiting for an answer. And I'm like, Sure, Pumpkin, but you gotta eat fast, (laughs) right? You know what happens next. So he's taking his time. I'm like, Alex, hurry up, hurry up, eat, eat, eat. We get in the car, we're running late, and I'm like holding the steering wheel like tight. You know how that goes. And we we turn the corner and I can see that the bus is starting to pull away. And I am, I literally hit the curb. Like I hit the curb, I heard this boom. And I'm like, well, I gotta keep going because his school's across town. So if he missed the bus, I had to drive pretty far to get to the school. I hear the tire like flopping against the asphalt. I'm driving about 10 miles an hour. The bus driver does see my car. He recognizes me, he stops. I get out of the car, get him on the bus. I go park in a space thinking, okay, how am I getting to the office now? Because I had busted two tires and I could feel that my SUV was like leaning to the side a little bit. And the whole reason that I went through that was because in my head, I literally had a flashback when he asked. My flashback was to me being a kid and my mom every morning, grits, eggs, bacon, toast, orange juice. And it wasn't like, you know, a meal she got out of, you know, the freezer aisle. This was, she got a pot out, made the grits, you know, scrambled the eggs, put the bacon in the oven. Okay. Not the microwave. And that's what I'm thinking. What kind of mom are you? Think about how your mom made your breakfast. You never ate breakfast in the car. In fact, your mom only fed you cereal once. And then I realized my mom fed me cereal once when I was in like third grade. (laughs) And I thought it was a snack. I made her. And you still asked her
1: for breakfast. (laughs) Where's my
0: breakfast? (laughs) So the thing is, when we start making decisions out of guilt, like that morning, I could have just said, "No, Alex, we can do that tomorrow." But instead, I felt this false sense of guilt and and felt like I I had to compensate. Let me let me try to let him do this really really fast. And at the end of the day, what did I do? Eight hundred dollars worth of damage to my car. <laughs>
1: yeah hours spent waiting, I'm sure for tow trucks and people to come oh, yeah. several yeah, hours wasted
0: Uber to take me to the office and then later in the day take me back to meet the tow truck and you know it, but think about the ways that we do it that are more significant than that. I have coached women who won't ask for what they're worth when it comes to their income because well, I'm very blessed to have this job- nobody else in my family makes this kind of money. Or or they're thinking, you know, this is is a small business. Maybe I'm being selfish. Not I'm adding value that is increasing the business. So there are so many ways in relationships that it shows up. um, People making relationship decisions and commitments.
1: You know, I love the story that you tell in the book about a past client who turned down that proposal. And then circle back and the gentleman comes back in her life and out of guilt, out of feeling like, well, I can't hurt his feelings twice. She goes into a marriage that was not for her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She felt basically that if she was going to give the relationship a try a second time, that she was obligated if he asked again, because it wouldn't be fair to try again and say no again. I mean, we often don't talk out loud about the thoughts that we're really having and the real motives behind why we do what we do. We're so afraid to have hard conversations that we just stuff it and then we make decisions that we know are not healthy for us, may not even be what we feel God leading us to do. And then we ultimately end up paying the consequences later.
1: Yeah. And I love that you talk about the idea that, you know, we do these things, sometimes like thinking, we're thinking of what other people might be thinking, right? (laughs) Like we're making up a whole scenario about, I don't want them to feel this, or I don't want them to feel that. And I was, as I was reading your story about Alex, I was thinking about the time that Michelle Obama was on her tour for Becoming. And she was coming to California. She did the um, Great Western Forum, or they probably changed the name by now, but the Forum. And there was this window of time that I would have to go pick my daughter up from school and then still try to get from South Pasadena, which you you may know Southern Cal a little bit, uh, Rose Bowl all the way to Inglewood near the airport, which on a normal day is 40, 45 minutes, but with traffic and with an event, sold out event like hers, you can imagine. Yeah. And because my mom was not able, to come to things like my basketball game or practice, because she worked so far away, I had this unspoken guilt that I put on myself about, you know, I became an entrepreneur so that I could be flexible and be at all the things, all the things. And so it was a nightmare, (laughs) like getting to her in the opposite direction and then getting there and getting, and when she saw you know, how stressed I was. Like I created all this unnecessary stress. There was traffic, there was everything. She made a comment, like, I really didn't have to go to that. Like it was, she was like (laughs) 10 or 11. She was like, you know, she she was so clear that I had created a story that was unnecessary. She's like, mom, I really don't know why you like put all this pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, and in that moment I was like, I'm living in a story from 1991. Yep. About what I would do, how I would behave as a mother, all these things, and I'm creating this guilt. And my daughter is like, "Girl, chill out. Like, you put this on yourself. This was not a requirement. You didn't." She was like, "Mom, you really didn't even have to come to that. It wasn't a big deal."
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Right, and you put yourself through all of those changes trying to make it happen. So that's what I'm talking about, particularly as women. We're always thinking about our impact on everybody around us, our kids, our significant other, our friends. And it's something we have to notice so we can free ourselves from it because the stress isn't worth it. And the stories we tell ourselves are often just completely inaccurate. It could be for you. Well, if I don't make it to everything, I'm a bad mom. I don't really care about my daughter. I'm not really giving my, oh, well, that's not actually true. And so we have to stop. I give this whole process in the book about peeling back the layers. We have to push back against the thoughts that we're having that are sabotaging us. Is that true? (laughs) So, you know, is it true? You know, mom guilt is very real. Is that true that I'm a bad mom if, and you fill in the blank. You know, I found with single moms in particular, and I think it happens with single parents in general, oftentimes overcompensating because of the feeling that our child is being deprived of having both parents. And so maybe I'm going to uh, let something slide. I wouldn't otherwise, or maybe I'm going to overcompensate with the gifts or whatever it is, even though I realize I might be creating a bigger problem (laughs) by not holding them accountable. This is something that's come up over and over again, particularly as I'm talking with women who are trying to do it alone. So the mom guilt's a part of it, but the, the women, just the women guilt, there's even research that shows that women feel guilty for working after regular business hours, whether they are married or not, whether they have children or not. Men don't feel any guilt about that. At all. (laughs) <laughs> I'm working. I mean, that's all there is to it i'm working there's no guilt about working um and so to think that a 25 year old single woman with no kids can feel guilty about working and the 45 year old mom with two kids <laughs> can feel guilty about having to work extra and you put that in the middle of everything that we're going through globally right now and all the changes and if your kids are Virtual, and you're trying to work from home, and how that all looks. I think there's additional guilt right now. And then when you look at, you know, you may have older relatives that are isolated and you can't go check on them, you can't see them. If you've had anybody in the hospital due to COVID or anything else right now, you can't go see them. I mean, there's just an extra level, I think, of guilt. And if you're struggling financially at all and you can't do the things you were doing before especially as it relates to the impact on people you care about. Yeah. Guilt. So there is so much going on right now where I think guilt just shows up where we have to notice it and we have to push back against it.
1: Well, you, and and I love the illustration you gave about how guilt can follow you throughout the day. Like from the time you hit snooze on the alarm clock, (laughs) it starts to tug at you, man, I feel guilty that I didn't wake up like, get oh man, I started up. my day behind.
0: I had a plan. That it doesn't mean, you know, I shared those thoughts in the book, like, oh, you were supposed to get up, you know, you're starting guilty. I, you know, I haven't done enough already. You haven't even gotten out of the bed. So for me, I have worked very hard on self-compassion, mm. on treating myself the way I treat the people I care about when they're going through the things I've gone through. I don't beat them up. I don't try to make them feel guilty. You know, if they need extra rest, I'm like, you've been doing a lot lately. You did need some rest. Like yesterday, literally, I got done with my last appointment. It was only about, it was it was 2.30 because I, I pretty much finished working at 2.30. My son gets out of school less than an hour after that. I felt so tired, Patrice. I walked up the stairs. My, I went to my husband's office. I said, I don't know why I'm so tired, but I am so tired. He said, do you want me to go pick up Alex? I said, yes. Now, the old me? No, that's okay, because I had already planned and he hadn't. Uh-huh. I said, yes, thank you. And I went upstairs and I got in the bed and I took a 2
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, I mean, I- whew. Self-compassion.
1: Self-compassion. I I call it just showing yourself grace, right? The same grace you might extend to other people. And the way that we get into this beat-up mode about what I didn't do, what I could have done, what I should have done, and literally take that through the day. My friends and I are always saying, oh, I got to get it together, right? Because it's usually in reference to something that slipped your mind or what you forgot to do, or why is this still not done? And there's that constant conversation that I used to think was funny, right? Like, girl, we need to pull it together. I need to pull it together. It's just something funny. But then when you really look at that deeply, it's like, it really underscores that idea. You're never enough. You're never done. You never get it right.
0: And that you don't have it together. Yeah, so you're not doing something right. And I really believe most of the time we're doing the best that we can with where we are in that moment and being able to forgive ourselves, even when we don't, or even when we feel like that best, isn't enough. Mm -hmm. We showed up. The bigger question is how do you want to show up today? Mm. How do you want to show up right now in this moment with all that you have in front of you and looking back, five or 10 years from now, looking back at this season that we are all in, what will you wish you had done? Whatever your answer to that, do that. Because even in the midst of the biggest challenges, there's opportunity. And the most successful people look for the opportunity in the challenge. Mm -hmm. While everybody else is complaining about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a mindset shift.
1: So let's get into... Spirituality and guilt, <laughs> because that's huge, right? Like there's that sense of, I don't know if it's, um, it's probably conviction, right? It, your your religious beliefs or practices may come with some guiding posts, some rules, some <laughs> some things that you want to honor, and sometimes it makes sense to your point to recognize the authentic guilt like if you've wronged someone you 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 probably should apologize like you should make amends you should work through that but how do we confuse authentic versus this this what do you call it false, <laughs> false guilt I was gonna say fake guilt and I was like I know <laughs> fake is not the worst That's <laughs> I know it wasn't fake but um you know a lot of people feel guilty because they just feel like they're not getting it right when it comes to their spirituality or or how that ties in how do you make that distinction for folks in the book
0: well first of all i believe god gave us this this inner guidance that tells us when we're guilty there is a point to guilt it's not it's not just there to torture us right it helps us do the right thing and in fact one of the most intriguing pieces of research I discovered when I was working on the book is around conscientiousness and the fact that those who are more conscientious are more successful but they also tend to be more guilt prone because they have a clear set of guidelines about how things ought to be done and they don't feel good when they aren't able to live up to those live up to those rules and standards so there is an upside to guilt you don't want to be in a relationship with someone who never feels guilty. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Guilt-prone people are actually far more loyal. They're concerned about your needs. So if you feel guilty, I don't want you to feel guilty about feeling guilty. There's, there's, There's a good thing God placed it there for a reason. And yet, and I'm just speaking from a biblical standpoint, there's something God wants us to do, but we also have this enemy. We also have somebody that's, Always planting seeds of doubt <laughs> and guilt is a good way to do it. How can I steal her joy? Oh, I know. <laughs> Help her feel badly about whatever it is. So, number one, I think we have to remember that God is forgiving, He's a God of grace. He knows we're not perfect. And the sooner that we accept our own imperfections, and we do so with humility, the easier it is for us to give ourselves grace. I really believe that it's not just that we are required to forgive others. We're required to forgive ourselves. That's to me, the most spiritual element of this, because again, guilt says you have a debt you owe. Mm -hmm. And so God could forgive you and the person you wronged could forgive you. And you could say, I still owe. <laughs> so I'm going to keep beating myself up. I'm not going to speak up about that. I'm going to allow behavior that I shouldn't allow because I did X five years ago, five months ago, five days ago, whatever it happens to be. So at some point, we have to be willing to forgive ourselves. But I really believe that requires some humility because. Really, what we're saying is I'm supposed to be perfect. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And I see how this robs people of their purpose. Yeah. So if you you are humble enough to accept that you are imperfect, that you mess up, that you don't always know the answers, that sometimes you say stuff in a way that you shouldn't have said it. (laughs) And you're willing to work on it. That doesn't mean you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, right? But forgiving yourself, I think is a huge piece of the puzzle. and it can be a hard one, especially in the big things that happen in life, right The you know maybe maybe it's something you some way that you failed as a parent, maybe it was a divorce, maybe you really screwed up and got fired. I mean, any number of things that can happen maybe. You know, maybe you didn't treat your body so well and now you're dealing with some health consequences. In order to move forward, you still have to be willing to forgive yourself and then say, okay, what do I want to do from here? How do I want to show up now? And uh-huh. what wisdom can I gain from my past behavior that I intend to change as I move forward? And, I, and I'm and i not going to be able to change it perfectly, but I know I need to Make some changes. I mean, just that—that that level of grace, I think, allows you to breathe.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for many of us, it allows us to take some of the, like you said, the mistakes or um, the challenges of life and re- repurpose them. Like, use those things as tools mm-hmm. to not only keep you going, but for for people like us in our space of you know educating others or transformation, it's really. I'm teaching from my mistakes. Like had I not (laughs) made the mistakes that I've made or had the experiences that I've had, I wouldn't even have the compassion that I do for people.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so spot on. Like my biggest, what feels like my biggest failures made me more compassionate, made me feel other people's pain more. And I think made me more real, like those things will humble you. But I think that's necessary because when we come from that place, if you're teaching, then you can also be transparent. It allows you to connect with people more deeply because you're not trying to hide something. Right. <laughs> <You're> like, yep, <laughs> that didn't go very well. That wasn't a very good decision. But here's what I learned from it. Yes. And you can learn something from yours too, right? Doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't make you dumb, doesn't make you you fill in the blank of whatever you've been beating yourself up with. It's just life. And
1: just life.
0: It's just life. And what do you want to learn so you can go ahead and move forward and and, and fully accept and embrace your story?
1: Mm. We talk about that all the time. Because a lot of times we hide the story. Because we're afraid that it will be weaponized.
0: Yes. Yes, we're afraid of that. But I think we're also afraid of not being seen in the light we want to be seen. Mm. We're committed to... The image. The image. Who Who we want to be or who we think we have to be in order to be acceptable. And when we're hiding, I mean, I think that's a really important word because... You know, guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is a step further. It's who I am is wrong. And therefore I must hide it from you. Ooh, ooh, say that again. <laughs> say that again. Yeah, so guilt is I've done something wrong, but shame is who I am is wrong. And and who I am is wrong because of what I've done or what's been done to me. And so I must hide that in order to even, even show up in the world. I, I can't let people see that. Shame is very, very toxic. And when we shine a light on it, when we shine a light on those things that we feel like can't can't see the light of day, it literally just releases the power of that. Now it feels very vulnerable, obviously, but that's a necessary part of the process. Like, you know, Patrice, I know you do this really great work with money. This was huge for me. And I've not really, I've not written a lot about money. I, I, you know, intersperse it in in some of my books, but I feel really strongly about it. I think there's a lot that we do around money that is done out of guilt, but a lot of that also comes from shame, right? And trying to hide where we are, who we are, by covering things up, by trying to spend our way or make. You know, I was an emotional spender. A lot of people are emotional eaters. You can see the emotional eating. Emotional spending is like celebrated, really, because now it looks like you're more successful, right? You're buying uh-huh. things that look like success, but you're at the same time hiding that maybe you can't really afford those very things. I mean, it's really, really deep. And for me, when I looked a step further to why I was accepting less than what I deserved why I was unwilling to step up, I could trace it back and look at where did these feelings come from. Mm-hmm. And by starting to peel back those layers, it's not that you have to know why. You don't have to know why you do all the things you do that don't work for you in order to change them. You can just decide this isn't working. <laughs> so <laughs> despite my fear, despite whatever I'm feeling, I'm going to do what I know is the right thing for me to do. I'm going to open my mouth and ask for more. I'm going to set boundaries. I mean, all of these things, even with the guilt, when you begin operating from a place of joy and of peace and of truth and not guilt, even though you might still feel guilty, you'll begin seeing the kind of outcomes that you want. <laughs> but that, and that's
1: the key is making a choice, right? To not operate from guilt. Even if you feel guilty or, you know, with other folks who have been on the podcast, it's not operating in fear. It's I'm going to be bold and courageous, even though (laughs) I'm going to take this step forward, even though my teeth are chattering and my knees are knocking.
0: Yes. And 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 whoever that is in your life that is really good at guilt trips, you're going to learn to flip the guilt trip. (laughs) Oh,
1: (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. That was in my notes. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute, because I know that there's someone listening who's like, that's everything that you've said has been awesome. Thank you so much. But it's not always the internal conversation. I'm around people who, quote unquote, make me feel guilty. Is that is it that we're allowing other people to make us feel guilty? Or are we just feeding into whatever conversations they're having?
0: That's exactly what happens. We No one can make you feel guilty unless they find a vulnerable spot they can tap into that you deep down might agree with even a little bit right and so what you have to do is whatever that little thing is you know maybe maybe it's the the mother who makes you feel guilty about you know whatever it is and you're like, well, maybe I am a bad daughter, or maybe it's the spouse, or your child, <laughs> right? Or a friend. I mean, people who are guilt trippers are very good at finding the people who are guilt prone. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So they they can see, ooh, I see that spot. I can I can kind of strike. It's really important to notice what am I, what am I agreeing with here? Is it true? That is one of the most important questions you can ask. Is it true? If it's not true, then it's false guilt. And oftentimes these are hard conversations. You have to ask yourself, am I willing to just have a hard conversation? It doesn't have to be that hard. You could even write down what you need to say. And sometimes because, look, people can't guilt trip you unless they're close to you because you have to care about people in order to change your behavior because they're making you feel guilty, right? So, yeah. you know, so so the random neighbor that you don't know can't guilt you into doing something, but somebody close to you can can guilt you in that way. Sometimes it's a matter of saying, I feel really badly about this. I wish I could do this, right? Or I don't wanna do something out of feeling guilty because it's gonna make me feel resentful and I don't want that in our relationship."
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So a lot of times it's being really honest. And so asking for something different is essential. And you might not get it right away. Sometimes you have to repeat conversations a couple of times before people understand that you're serious. But it also means that you have to stand firm in what you say you're going to do or not do.
1: Yeah, you have to enforce your own boundaries. That's right. Not just set them, but enforce them.
0: But know that it's possible. and. The most important thing you can do is shine a light on the truth.
1: <laughs> right? When all else fails, yeah, get to the truth.
0: Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the truth because I I feel like you're implying that, right? That somehow I don't care about you unless I buy you this. Right? Or if I don't pay for X, Y, or Z. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about, for example, adult children. There are so many parents who will feel guilty um, because, you know, maybe they're not going to be able to have x y or z well maybe that's maybe that's a part of the learning process Mm -hmm.
1: yeah maybe they need to learn to strive to make that happen for themselves like there's something we'll
0: help them with that right yeah but at some point they've got to be weaned off of you know i remember the book years ago the millionaire next door and they kept talking about economic outpatient care (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, parents mm-hmm. that keep paying for stuff. The kids are 40 something years old. Talking <laughs> about
1: that's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I've I counseled people like that. Oh, but that's my baby. Your baby is 39 and a half with three kids. Like they're a full blown adult and they need to sometimes to help people. We have to stop helping.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, you know, emergencies that are right. Unique and aren't happening all the time. I'm talking about this has become a burden to you. This is really enabling them to not yes. fulfill their own potential. And so this is this is loving in a different kind of way. In yeah. a way that helps them get to where they need to go. But if that guilt trip persists, you might find yourself doing things that don't even line up with your values.
1: Right. I want to be a cheerful giver at all times. I want to do things from a place of true desire, excitement, contentment, like all, like I want to do it because I want to, I don't mind giving, but I don't like takers. Like I don't mind being a giver, but there's some people who, as you say, they can be prone to guilt tripping and it took me some time to build that muscle just to learn how to say no without all the additional conversation. Like, should I say yes? But they did They did help me back in 92. Like they did drive me to school, which is what a lot of athletes feel, that financial guilt once mm-hmm. they, professional athletes. Well, that that person used to come to every game when I was in middle school and high school. Now, but now, so sir, they're asking that. you for a house.
0: <laughs> like, right, so then you have to ask, do I want to repay them for their impact in my life? And what does that look like for me? Yes. And you, you decide what that looks like from your perspective. What, what do you want to do or not do and do that only, mm-hmm. you know, we um, interviewed five or 600 women when I was writing the book, we surveyed and, a theme that came up over and over had to do with women who had achieved a level of success, but they were the first in their families or one of the only in their families to be where they are. And that guilt of feeling like they've left loved ones behind or that they are the go-to person and they can't get ahead on their own goals because they're constantly bailing somebody out, or there is this expectation. And one of the things sometimes you have to do is reset expectations because you can't you cannot achieve your goals when others are putting expectations on you that you receive that really aren't your expectations. Again, this isn't about, you know, I'm not going to be generous, but it's about deciding what can I do? What what am I what do I feel led to do? And then That's it. That came up so much. And it breaks my heart because I think for a lot of women, African-Americans, people of color in general, this is a theme as we get to higher heights and and more and more people are able uh, to achieve their dreams, but may want to even pull others along with them. But some may want to be pulled along and some may not. (laughs) And yeah. so, how do you, how do you deal with that dynamic? Because it's sad when you've you worked so hard to get somewhere, and now you're feeling guilty, mm-hmm. and that you owe oh, somehow you've done something wrong. Yeah, and you haven't. You have not. I do believe that we we want to be generous, and we want to help others learn what we've learned. Right? Yeah. Um, If there are those people in your life that they're they're wanting to move ahead, but the expectation that somehow you owe just because you've worked hard (laughs) is toxic. And so being able to address that, I think it, it feels sticky, but I just want you to understand that you must set the expectations. You can't let everybody else set expectations that you must then live up to. And if you don't, somehow you're wrong. Somehow you're not doing things right be prayerful, be generous, be kind, be loving. But that doesn't mean that you need to be a pushover, that you need to be guilt tripped into doing things that you can't afford to do or that don't align with what you believe God's leading you to do.
1: Oh, so good. That was a great mic drop. (laughs) That was a great mic drop because I know, I know so many women in my community needed to hear all of that and they need to read let go of guilt so we're definitely going to be linking to that in the show notes before I let you go Valerie I want to ask you what we call our rapid redefining wealth um rapid wisdom questions here on redefining wealth um you're just going to tell us the first thing that comes to mind okay
0: I'll do my best (laughs) how do you define overthinking hat okay (laughs) how do you define success Oh, that's easy. (laughs) In Successful Women Think Differently and all the books that go with that kind of uh, successful women theme, I say that success is a harmony of purpose, resilience, and joy. You need to know what you're here for. You need to be ready when the setbacks and the difficulties happen. And there is no success without joy. Don't allow anything to steal your joy. The amazing thing is that joy... Is strength research even shows it? Happiness is a success strategy. People that are happier are more successful, not the other way around. So don't pursue success to be happy, pursue happiness and success will follow.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that! (laughs) I love that so much. Um, How do you define wealth in three words or less?
0: Patrice, three words or less freedom, generosity, and peace. I love it. What's one book that has helped
1: you redefine wealth?
0: Oh, it was a book called "Secrets of Six Figure Women." It's by Barbara Barbara Stanley. Now Now Houston Barbara Stanley. She was just on the podcast. Yeah, I read. That. I love that book too. Oh yeah, I doubled my income in six months and tripled it within two years. That helped me with the not asking for what I was worth. Yeah. I love it. We're going to link to Barbara's uh, book as well, you guys.
1: Love Barbara. Okay, this is the last one. It's a fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is.
0: My name is Valerie Burton. And to me, the truth about wealth is that you can have it if you're willing to learn what it takes to have it and undo your bad habits. That was not very eloquent but that's what I've done. true, yeah. Consistency. It is consistency, not just with your investing and saving, but consistency of noticing what you're doing that sabotages your ability to have wealth. Mm. It is possible, but you've got to be willing to think differently, do things differently, say no to some things, say yes to some things and take some risks, some calculated wise risks in your life that other people might not be willing to take. Amen. Thank
1: you so much, Valerie. This was so good. Oh my gosh. Did I not tell you that this conversation would be amazing? From the moment I saw that Instagram post, I knew that we needed to hear from Valerie. And I just want to say, (laughs) as she said, let's not feel guilty about the guilt right so if you know that so much of this episode was at your doorstep right like you can identify with so many of the examples and men when you get the book let go of guilt trust me and it doesn't matter how much work you've done on yourself how much personal development you're going to read stories that remind you of you and different seasons of your life and we get to as valerie says reset expectations the ones that we've seen, the ones that we've set, and those that have just kind of been unspoken, but yet we let the guilt override us day after day. We get to reset expectations. So today, is about letting go of guilt, and it's not an overnight thing, right? We can only recondition what we first recognize, and one of the things that Valerie talks about in the book, which is why I want you to pick up a copy, is the guilt list and <laughs> I didn't get a chance to tell her, but man, doing the exercises in the book have been so therapeutic for me. I want you to do them with me. Let's talk about it in our Facebook group, in the Redefining Wealth Facebook community. Let's talk about it so we can just put it out there, right? And then move forward, move past it. Remove the guilt, the embarrassment, the shame. Like, let's just say what it is and move past it. We got to name it. Uh, Please get a copy. A let go of guilt. So, so good. And also, I wanted to share with you that Valerie has a membership program. It's called the Successful Women Academy, Successful Women's Academy. And it's about closing the gap between where you are and where you really want to be. And this is for those of you who have this intense desire right? For personal development. So all the professional things you are so good at pursuing and going after, but you forget that personal growth is required in order to really make those big dreams come true and to stop sabotaging your joy and to stop being held back from being your best self because of fears or habits or distractions. I'm going to link to it in the bio because I really believe that there are so many of you in my community who need this. And I know that she's a woman of integrity, and so you know how I am. Whenever I see someone doing something that I think can be a blessing to you, I'm going to talk about it in Successful Women's Academy by Valerie Burton, um, I think can be a really great compliment to what we do and talk about here. So go check it out. Hopefully doors are open. If not, join the wait list or get on her email list so you know when doors are open again. All right. That's it for me. Next week, we're going to be talking about what else we need to let go of in the Let It Go series. Uh, I can't wait for that. Until then, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.